Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. All right, so welcome, Krista Ryerson. Thank thanks for you. having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's really great to see you, and you too. Um, excited to just chat through some stuff with you. Um, one of the things that I want to ask first, and I think this might be a theme that I'll bring in at the beginning of every episode, is what is on your heart today? Ooh, great question. More spaciousness. Mm-hmm. I find that with the heart, there is often spaciousness needed for us to really know what we feel because we've mm-hmm. been so conditioned. And this time of year, you'll be listening to this podcast in 2020, but this time of year in the holidays, the messages go faster. Mm-hmm. And for me, what feels really, really expansive is, is spaciousness for my heart, for my mind, my body. Muscle. Mm, I love it. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, man. It just reminds me, I was at a, um, a sound healing class today. And mm. at the end, Celeste had this, uh, I'm going to butcher, I don't know what these are called, but they're like, they're tuning forks in a yep. sense, right? So she would, it was one for heart activation. Mm. And at the end of class, she said, anybody who wants to, you know, come meet me outside the room and I'll do a heart activation for you. Mm. And and so there was a lineup of people after class just waiting <laughs> to, to get their heart activated. And yeah, so when you were talking, I could like feel the vibration mm. that I felt earlier today. Beautiful. Yeah, so good. Um, okay, so we know each other. We've known each other for a long time. We have, a so, couple lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to hear, actually from your perspective, what you remember of how we met, um, what that looked like in our in our first interactions, where that was, what you recall from that pretty much past life, even though it was, it was about a decade or so ago. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. I don't remember the exact interaction, but I do remember you being, we were servers, we mm-hmm. worked at Earl's, mm-hmm. and I believe I was there already and you got hired. Yes. And so then you were introduced to me and I kind of remember seeing you through the pass through and obviously my first impression, which is a lot of people's first impression is, wow, she's tall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I love closer to the heavens. Mm. Um, Yeah. And you just, I remember you being really sweet and I was in a very tough spot. And now later, since we've met back up multiple times, I also know that you were as well, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think we were both plugged into collective suffering Mm -hmm. 
and also going through our individual journey of suffering mm-hmm. um, based on our own epigenetic patterns mm-hmm. and on lies, on BS, belief systems that don't serve us, yeah. that we have been taught by yeah. our family by no fault of their own. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, um, belief systems, BS, I've never, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I hadn't made that uh, connection before, the BS, that's Yeah, kind of one of my dear friends, Tiago Prem, was the first person who ever framed it that way for me, mm-hmm. and uh, just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. the BS we the live into. The BS, into. yeah. Jeez, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I remember it was probably mm, four years ago, or five years ago, when we kind of reconnected sat down at higher ground together yeah we had both maybe been, six yeah it was a while ago where we both were starting to produce content and show up differently in the world and you kept popping up for me and I was popping up for you and, and we met up and um yeah I think that was kind of the the start of our new friendship yeah yeah, yeah and that's what it really felt like too and I think even though we hadn't dropped in with each other when we were going through our collective suffering mm-hmm. I do believe that first seed was planted and I'm a deep believer and I'm sure you know this that we're always orbiting our people mm-hmm. our 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 soul family yeah. and so whether or not we lock in with them right away is not the point sometimes well all seeds need time they need nutrient dense soil mm-hmm. they need the right conditions water sunlight until that can blossom so i think what's so beautiful about our interaction is we both had to do that for ourselves first mm-hmm. before the relationship could really blossom into what it is yeah yeah well said yeah and i i love that i've been able to witness you mm-hmm. in your facilitation um, mm-hmm. mode as well we've had a couple sessions together and uh, I'm a big fan of what you do Um, but I also know that you're similar to me and that your growth trajectory is quite uh, something and and so I know that since I haven't just changed (laughs) exactly (laughs) so I would love to hear you know how you would describe the way you facilitate or what you do Um, what does that look like for you in 2019 in 2020 Uh, who are you Mm. what do you do Mm. yeah the question for me has been more what am I? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who am I is something that I can conceptualize and contextualize within my experience. But what I am has been more of an interesting um, question and has led me to a place of growth and transformation that, that is exponential. And I know both of us do have that sort of trajectory. Mm-hmm. I would love to look at your chart to see what what's going on there mm-hmm. and what that's about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that. Ha- I have Jupiter, so a lot of expansion that happens, trining my sun, and then I have this beautiful uh, grand trine in my chart that's in water and that is in earth signs, but it's in the water houses. And so that actually really does have a lot to do with how I'm shifting moving forward because I'm seeing myself a lot more clearly based on my astrological blueprint, Mm -hmm. which I don't think defines us, but is a blueprint. So we get to decide the materials that we build our home with, Mm -hmm. and we can choose to renovate at any point. But there is a blueprint, and I find that that's really helpful. So the way that I'm facilitating now, although similar, has shifted a lot because I have just gone through a huge, massive 
awakening and up level and all awakening means is just a deeper sense and seat within my own consciousness i have been able to take the observer's perch more easily now and witness what we call polarity Mm -hmm. duality what feels good what feels not so good Mm -hmm. and that's allowed me to hold space in a way where the methodology the methodologies and ideologies maybe haven't changed so much Mm -hmm. and yet my frequency my energy my cellular makeup my dna structures have shifted and so people are shifting around me now in a brand new way Mm. yeah i can feel that (laughs) what what are you noticing in the people around you and is it them shifting or is it you just perceiving differently well that's a great question i would say it's both Mm -hmm. of course Mm -hmm. because we know that the observer when the observer shifts so too does the thing being observed and also based on the intention so if my intention for self is one of highest expansion through acceptance and compassion and unconditional love because i've now gone through that on a deeper level then when i hold space as a teacher as a facilitator then I can now see that that's happening for other only because I've allowed that to happen to self. If my relationship to self very much so rubs up against one of limitation or limit, lack, scarcity, confinement, then I will be more likely to perceive that in students as well as only provide a container where students feel that Mm. and can rise to that limiting level. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And so much similarity in what you're going through and what I've been going through. So I, I love the synchronicity always. happening. Yeah. It happens for us always. Of course, right? Yeah. yeah, this has kind of been, it's an interesting journey that we've been on where it, it does, yeah, there's so many parallels, mm-hmm. which has been really fun for me as well that I, I get to like see my reflection by being with you. Yeah, same. With you. Yeah. yeah, same. It's really neat. Yeah, well, I... I'm really curious to hear more about archetypes. Cool. And I know this is something that you are in love with and that you study. And even before you dive into what it is, I would love to hear a little bit of the backstory of like how you discovered them or what drew you into them or you know anything along those lines. Yeah, that's a beautiful story and, mm-hmm. and one that I haven't told that often. Okay. So I would love to share it. Great. I was working as a server I was a bartender, a waitress, and I I basically ran the pub, <clears throat> excuse me, at the beginning and of this journey. And this was after Earl's? This was after yeah, Earl's, okay. yeah. So my background is in psychology, and so I was doing work in that field for a while, but I had a lot of debt, and so a lot of people can relate to this. When that debt becomes crushing, it's hard to be able to feel your sense of purpose on this planet because all of your attention and awareness is in the lower triangle, the lower three chakras, mm-hmm. to make sure that you can take care of yourself, right. that you have lodging, that you have food, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That you belong, that there are structures that exist that keep you safe. And when there is debt looming over your head, it's hard to feel that. Now, throw that into a mix where I already had a really Mm, challenging relationship with my root chakra and feeling safe on the planet based on a birth that happened three months early Mm. debt was not good for me (laughs) it just it brought up a lot of stuff and I, I couldn't relate to it in a way that was actually positive and so I was a server 
wanting to leave my job and I didn't know how to make that happen, but I knew I was worthy of it. And so one day at my place of work, I ran into this woman and she saw that I was making malas at the time. So Chalice Grove is the company that I have and it started with birch centerpieces because nature heals us first Mm -hmm. and foremost. And then it moved into jewelry because of some dreams I was having. And I just did this on the side to open my sacral chakra to get back into my sense of creation. So I knew that I was part of creation story Mm. and this woman asked me about malas. Now, I didn't work at a place where those types of questions were asked. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knew what a mala yeah. was. And for those of you who don't know, it's a sacred piece of adornment that's used primarily in the East. It originated through Buddhism as a way to meditate. Mm-hmm. And so I told her that I had made it. And she and I then got into a very deep conversation. And she told me I should meet this woman, Sam. Sam became my mentor later on and for years and worked with archetypes very deeply, but I didn't know this yet. So after this conversation with this other woman, her name was Sarah, I went home and I started researching lapis lazuli. And I started recognizing that this was a stone that was very much work with with high priestesses and high priests in alchemy and had to do with the crown chakra. Mm. And I became fascinated with this idea of all these characters, if you will. And so I started writing out these air quotes, characters, and I didn't even know what they were. So I wrote down the mystic. I wrote down the alchemist, the high priestess. I had all of these things that I had written down, and I came up with about, I think, eight. And these were just coming from you at that point? Yeah, I was just like, I um, I was looking at motifs. I was looking at storylines on the internet, and I just, all of these these characters it's the only way I could describe them because at the time I didn't know that they were archetypes so all archetypes are are patterns of power that exist within human consciousness that we can plug into in any given moment and being that my background's in psychology you think I would know a lot about archetypes because Carl Jung goes into great length with talking about them and Mm -hmm. he saw within his um care with patients with clients that there were these threads these archetypal motifs that would play out again and again with clients that had never met so for example he would take someone through a process and they would recall their dreams because he very much was into psychoanalytic theory as well under the subcategory of freud for a while until they kind of broke off Mm -hmm. and he came to realize that there were these reoccurring patterns where people would see and sense and have this vision around snakes which is important to bring up for our time right now because snakes are really popular again Mm. snake print is really popular again Uh, you see snake tattoos all the time and that there was a surgence of that again in the 70s as well and when you start to follow this and you start to recognize what's actually going on there's surges of consciousness happening Mm. where transformation is actually happening right now at a really high degree and everything that snake represents it also represents the kundalini energy at the base of the spine right. that's uncoiling as we um, activate and ascend. So you'd think I would have learned a lot about that, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed like new information to me. So after I'd written down these archetypes, I decided to look at this woman Sam's website called sensesofthesoul.ca. And she's based here in Calgary. She lives just outside of the city. And I saw that we had so many archetypes written in common. Mm. She was using them as a way to work with plants. She's a master herbalist. Mm. And so she was doing sessions with people people where 
in those sessions, she reads the body, the mapping of the body, the energetics of the body, and then she gives you tinctures, mm. right, to mm -hmm. work with and plant medicine um, to work with that's non-psychoactive, mm -hmm. just reg your regular old plant medicine. Yeah. And and uh, I started working with her and the moment that I met her and so how that worked is I, I ended up creating a line of malas called the archetype series and that's how the archetype series started okay. wow. was a line of malas and so I I had seven for the seven chakras and then I met with her because I couldn't I didn't feel good about launching it knowing that that I was using the same archetypes she was using and that she didn't know about it for some reason I felt like it was copying or there was some sort of overlap some but now I know it was just my higher self being like reach out to this woman yeah. <laughs> yeah. but a part of me just didn't feel right about launching it without her knowing that I was going to be using the same yeah. patterns yeah. so I reached out to her and said hey I'm about to launch this line I don't feel okay about it until I I talk to you for some reason and she responded in such a five-dimensional way because it was so much about collaboration, mm. not competition. Mm -hmm. And so she said, you know, actually, I think we need to meet. I get a really good feeling from you. And you didn't have to send me this email. Mm -hmm. I would have never known. Right. And the fact that you did just tells me a lot about your integrity. So I want to meet. So we met. And then in that meeting, we really just fell in love and had that soul connection. And she mm -hmm. said, I want you to make malas for all of... So she has she had what was called and has what is called um, the earthly purpose archetypes and then the evolving archetypes. So there's 14 of them, seven for each chakra, but then the next seven are the evolving, the more spiritual realms as we've worked through the more earthly, mm. um, more dense reality in the three-dimensional realm. The earthly being the first three and the... Upper no, four, earthly just being, when I say the first three chakras, it's because that's the land of illusion. And that's when we're talking about three-dimensional time and space that we can actually see and sense. Yeah. Um, but 5D, so it, it in 3D, in the earthly realms, it actually does take you one through seven. Okay. Um, it's just three-dimensional because it's more concrete um, whereas the evolving are a little bit more of an esoteric. Okay. It's what we're evolving into. And, yeah. and when you know those archetypes, you'd understand what I'm talking okay. about. So, and we can talk a little bit more about that as well. Yeah. But as we move through our time together, as, as me and Sam moved through our time together, I created this line. She sold them from her um, one of her old shops, which was a metaphysical shop here in Calgary and then she got rid of that and she's still doing work out in Cochrane mm. and we're still dear friends and that really catapulted me there's a saying that when the student is ready the teacher appears mm -hmm. and I don't know I don't know if I felt that that was true until that moment mm. I'd been wanting it so bad and nothing had shown up yet because there's something to be said about divine timing mm -hmm. <laughs> not your timing yes right so that is how that it started to evolve and then and then I actually applied for a market to sell my sacred adornment and didn't get accepted mm -hmm. and that's what catapulted me into making the program healing with archetypes mm -hmm. my partner at the time said I think it's time you start to make this workshop that you've been talking about and I'm like no I was just playing around <laughs> so afraid so far from my worthiness but also my inner sense of self has been so strong along the path, even if my, if my um, 3D consciousness had a lot of struggle, mm -hmm. my highest self consciousness was always 
feeding me information. I don't know why I've been gifted a strong line of communication, but it has always been there. Mm -hmm. So I was nervous and didn't feel worthy, but did it anyway, because there was a part of me that did. And so that's how it was really birthed before it turned into the signature online digital course that it is now. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's how the journey began yeah. with archetypes and then continues to evolve. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear with the, uh, the original malas that you made, you said you made one mala for each chakra yeah. along with the archetypes. What, which archetype did you have for each chakra? Well, each, so that's, that's a, I could rattle off a lot of those. Um, yeah. so I won't go into all of them okay. for time so yeah. we can continue to deep dive, but for example, when you get into the root chakra, mm -hmm. which we all have chakras one and seven in common. And the reason for that is because we are all earth and ether. We're all um, the stuff of stars and mm -hmm. also in a human body having mm -hmm. an experience. And so when we're muscle testing to find our dominant chakra, we're actually testing between two through six. But we all do share chakras one and chakra seven. So when I made the root chakra, it was the um, earth mother. Mm -hmm. And the earth mother is very much uh, connected to the earth. Mm -hmm. It's connected to the earthly purpose chakra and realm. And then when you get to the evolving, it's the shaman. And the reason mm -hmm. we can see how this evolves is because until we connect with that which we are a part of, which is to say we are in the di direct reflection, likeness, and image, not only of the generating and organizing and destructive forces that some people call God, mm -hmm. but we also are in direct image to the earth right mm -hmm. um our structure is made of the same composition as the planet mm -hmm. so only when we acknowledge that first and foremost and when we can really lend into our recognition that our our earth is our mother and we are very much connected to it and what we do to it we do to ourselves and vice yeah. versa can we step into what's called the shaman um and this isn't just people who are shamans or claim to be shamans anyone can step into a shaman archetype mm -hmm. where you've actually taken your suffering your pain your misfortune and you turn it into something of value you almost give it back to the earth and acknowledge that it was never yours to begin with mm. and you plant it and root it and allow it to turn into the nutrient dense soil that can grow and yeah. blossom whatever it is that you need moving forward so that you can actually be of service to other people yeah wow that's so cool. And that's just one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. each chakra has four archetypal patterns, okay. two that are evolving and of a higher vibration, yeah. not better than, and two that are of a denser um, vibration that are lower or what we call shadow. Right. Like the shadow and the light yeah. of each. Yeah. They're okay. the shadow and the light. But <laughs> I feel it's very important to because I believe I am, I am a guide of neutrality. That is a lot of my purpose here is to guide people beyond duality. It's because I, I know this because my North Node is in Gemini. And so Gemini is someone who collects information, uh, disseminates that information, and knows polarity and duality so well that it helps lead people beyond it. Mm -hmm. So the only way we can lead people beyond duality is to know it. Right. And we have to acknowledge it. And one is not better than the other. In fact, if we can take darkness as our ally and as our teacher, we can experience the light at new levels yeah. so we need both of that while we're incarnated on human form to have 
um, this experience to let it be our teacher. Will we always need that? I don't think so. Mm. And uh, I, in fact, I, I, I know that that is shifting and will continue to shift as the rainbow frequency, which is the only way I can describe what I've been seeing and feeling lately. There's this rainbow frequency that's starting to shift this planet which will help lead us a little bit more beyond duality and to see that they're not there isn't just what what's good and bad and mm-hmm. right and wrong and up and down and masculine and feminine everything is a spectrum mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree yeah so when when you step into your shadow do you struggle still like what does that look like for you when you you know an archetype takes the yeah. wheel does it do, do you ever get into that state of it feeling sticky or stuck or like oh, oh my god here again. yes yeah. okay. and in fact I would never maybe one day I won't but until that day I won't I would never not share my authentic experience in fact I feel like we are in an age and in a time that sharing our wounds and sharing our struggle and that we're all still very much human even in a position of leader especially in a position of leader yeah is what's gonna really help people. Mm-hmm. I go through the shit storm all the time. Mm-hmm. And in, especially in the last two years, cause I'm clearing at an exponential rate right now. Mm-hmm. I have been healing lifetimes mm-hmm. and lineages of grief that mm-hmm. has run through my maternal line mm-hmm. specifically. And that runs through the collective unconscious of the planet. Mm -hmm. So Carl Jung talked a lot about this energy of the collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. And this is an energy where we are all contributing to shadow energy, Mm -hmm. to light energy, and to these archetypal patterns. And the more that we contribute to our evolution and to liberation by acknowledging shadow, by loving shadow by sitting with shadow without trying to change shadow but simply let it be a presence that comes knocking an energy that just uh, that is like the wind or like water or Mm -hmm. like air or like fire or like ether it really is an elemental experience yeah and and the more that we can just let that move through us again without trying to change it and this is an alchemical process that happens even within the laboratory there's a process of putrefaction that happens 40 days and 40 nights Mm -hmm. but if it can be left and the right circumstances present you we can shift what that substance is and what happens is it actually can turn into into what's called purity or purification where the substance will turn a pure white and this is what happens within us because we are made of all like what happens on the micro level happens on the macro level and so for me when i brush up against shadow i recognize that it's it's twofold because polarity mm-hmm. uh one it's collective so it's not all mine i'm a right. processor i feel what everyone's going through and in fact i actually feel it a few days weeks and months before the collective actually feels it so mm. i know what's coming mm. <laughs> and and so i go through it and it's intense uh and i know that if i can navigate that space with some ease and grace and compassion really for me compassion's everything yeah. it's this element of Kuan Yin. uh it's also this element of green tara and if you don't work with that sort of energy and this is new for me as well i've been resisting it for a really long time Mm. that's okay you know i was someone who very much needed the science behind everything for so fucking long (laughs) 
for so long and I still yeah. do and I'll still teach that way so I can mm. satiate the intellect because yep. it's very important to feed people mm-hmm. and when we when we satiate the intellect of a human being who needs that that information first it actually allows the information to the the mind to feel full mm-hmm. which then can allow there to be a resurrection if you will of spirit right. and yeah. then we can start to move into a little bit the more the esoteric realms and then people will believe you a little bit more because you fed them something yeah <laughs> and it's guiding them into it right and that's yeah. a big part of my work as well is meet yeah. people where they're at and you know the trauma sensitivity yeah and to me that's not only about sticking to the science at the beginning, yeah. um, but also about slowly guiding people in so it's like a, an unlayering yes. instead of a, like, let's rip this Band-Aid off. Yeah. Just because that's the way I like to do it doesn't mean I yeah. need to do that to other people. Yeah, and I and I feel it's important. There's people that will really resonate with just your work because of that. And, you know, when people would just talk about deities or gods, or it just was too out there for me for yeah. so long. But the deeper I go within this process, especially through shadow, the more I'm starting to actually tune into the unseen realms Mm. and the more I'm having an experience with myself as a sentient being, as a someone who is grounded in 3D dimensionality and matter, but even science tells us that there's more of us not here than there is here. We're made up of 99.9999999% space. And the more subtle I'm getting, I think is a is a I know is a more accurate way to to talk about it. The more subtle I'm getting, because I have practices every forty days. I commit to something new. Mm. I'm steady. Mm-hmm. I'm really steady right now. So the more that I commit to that and continue to heal the wound of self betrayal, which is one of the largest wounds we have, the more subtle I can get. And the more subtle I'm getting, the closer I'm getting to my soul. In Kundalini Yoga, we know that we have ten bodies and. Uh, not just one physical body there's three mental bodies and six energetic bodies and so one of the bodies is the subtle body the ninth body and then there's the soul body the first body and in this belief system which i deeply resonate as truth if if it's something that lands in your system as truth that's amazing if not don't take it up right Mm -hmm. that's the the gift and beauty of free will and choice but the more subtle I get, the, the closer I get to my soul because that belief system says that when we die, the soul climbs into the subtle body and leaves out the top of the head and goes back into the ethers. Mm-hmm. The subtle body is recording everything, mm-hmm. everything you do, every mm-hmm. thought, every deed, every misdeed. This is not fear-based. Mm-hmm. This is just a chance to say that it turns into the records, the Akashic records where all information is held. So when you decide to incarnate again, you pick up that subtle body and it comes back down. Okay, well. Yeah. So, through shadow, mm. I have been able to get more subtle. And through that subtlety, I have been able to connect more with the unseen realms. And it is becoming more of my work, even against my resistance. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. No, it, it's so, something that's been really um, interesting in my own practice, very similar in the, the sitting with the shadow. And, and I totally get the... From my experience, it kind of feels like the more that I sit with what's really uncomfortable, which is often the shadow or the darkness or you know, seeing myself clearly. When I sit with that and I don't avoid it and I don't shame it, I don't wish it away, I just hold loving space for it. Mm-hmm. It it does feel like an expansion happens every single time where I start picking totally. up on things that I didn't 
have the capacity to pick up on before. Like I'm starting to see things in visuals a lot more as people mm. are speaking. I just get these visuals mm. and, and usually I'm able to articulate it in, in a metaphor of like, this is what I see for you. And, it, and it's really just reiterating what I just heard, but I'm just adding visual to it. Yes. And, and that's something that's only been happening the last, I'd say six months for me, where just all these visuals just keep appearing. Um, but it, it is something that I've discovered from the sitting with what I used to see as really uncomfortable, mm. but turning towards it. That was very beautifully articulated. And there's a lot of medicine in that because when we sit with what is, with beingness, mm-hmm. with I, with self, with the one, which is to say to sit with God or all of creation mm-hmm. because there's no separation, when we don't shame that there is all of this going on, inevitably what there's always expansion always follows contraction. Yeah. And none of us are on this planet without contraction. Your mother literally goes through contractions, yeah. which hurt like hell, yeah. usually, yeah. unless you're a unicorn and you have silent contractions, <laughs> in order for you to get here. So hmm. every time a, a human being is birthed on this planet, it is the hope of a new consciousness. That's what's being birthed, the hope of a new consciousness, a hope that we can return to a heart-centered consciousness. And there's always that hope with a baby. That's why there's so much joy present. And when we sit with ourselves and allow ourselves to go through contraction, dark nights of the soul, breakups, longing, fear, stagnation whatever it is and we just love ourselves there inevitably what happens is there's more space then to take on more there's more energy to actually step into your divine gifts and there's more space for your divine gifts to come through so what it sounds like happening for you is your clear visuals coming through right like you're being able to see mm-hmm. visually a lot what is going on and Here's the thing. Science is going to prove that all of the clairs are very much so a part of the human experience. It's just been portrayed through the media as something we... I'm going to back up a little bit. Anything that we are very afraid of, we vilify. Mm -hmm. And... This is why women for centuries and millennia were vilified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're fucking scary. Well, powerful. Yeah, totally. So anything that we don't know, we're it's it's un it's unknown to us, it's uncomfortable or it's very powerful and we want to suppress it. We create myth because myth is really powerful and we create stories mm-hmm. around it. So if you go far enough back, myth will tell you how powerful a woman is. Mm-hmm. But if you don't go not very far back, it will tell you how subservient the story of Adam and Eve. This is not a pick on Christianity. Uh, Christ-centered consciousness is one of the most beautiful consciousness that there is, and it is the energy that will heal the planet. And that is why, and I talked about this in another podcast actually the other day, this is why when you see the vagina and pictures of the vagina with this Mother Mary overlay, mm-hmm. that it's that that um, motif or that that representation have you seen that before with pictures so 
there's pictures where there's Mother Mary and she has her beautiful robe happening and then and it's the flowing robe and it just it looks very much like a vagina. Huh. And so women have are now creating this art where the vagina and the Mother Mary is having this overlap. Hmm. This is all this is the story of like Joseph T- Campbell talks about myth and how powerful this is in our psyches, right? So this is what I mean when I say every time a baby is born, it's a new it's it's a new consciousness coming. It's it's a hope for a new Christ consciousness that will allow for healing. So in the story of of myth within Adam and Eve, well, first came Black Lilith, if you know the story, but then came then came Eve and Eve was from the rib of man and subservient too Mm -hmm. and so that was the story and they knew that that would have power over us Mm -hmm. and it did Mm -hmm. men have been very fearful of women's power for a very long time and men are so beautiful and I love them and and they should be acknowledged and revered for the gods that they are and also we need to recognize that women's place is right there too yeah so storytelling is how we create and make patterns Mm -hmm. and so if you look at the media circling all the way back around the media has been portraying people who have gifts as negative Mm -hmm. for a pretty long time Mm -hmm. even just look at the stories with i mean it's shifting now slightly if you've if you watch um that show that has 11 in it who has the super stranger things, stranger things yeah, yeah. It's, you know there's there's a resurgence of this female power that's mm-hmm. taking place i like to reference mainstream media because i think it's really helpful for people who aren't in this realm or yeah. world as much if you want to know how culture feels about something look at what its mainstream media is doing yeah right yeah. and so we're starting to see that that's shifting because l or 11 has all of these powers mm-hmm. and she is badass <laughs> but if you look at something like grace and frankie Frankie's kind of portrayed as the loose nut, Mm. (laughs) but she's the one who's a little bit more esoteric, who believes in these kind of more mystical experiences and goes on these journeys with plant medicine and channels her inner, you name it. She's portrayed as a little bit more of the crazy one, whereas Grace is the type A, has it all together. But if you actually watch that, Frankie transforms Grace. She becomes her leader in a lot of ways Mm. so that Grace isn't so stuck up Mm. and so um, stuck and plugged into the matrix, quite frankly. So it's really interesting to look at mainstream media to see how we feel about ourselves, obviously, and how we feel about the world at large. The, The energy on this planet that's really powerful, whether it's the banking systems, whether it's the elitists, the elite groups, whether it's the 1%, the less than 1% that contain all of the money, mm. um, they know about this power. Mm-hmm. They're using it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's been vilified. Well, so we don't use and it. And that's part of the, I think, with mainstream media as well. It's not necessarily of how we think about ourselves. It's how we're being told to think, think about ourselves. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. it can often be, there's some lag time as well of, of what's being portrayed versus you know where collective consciousness actually is yeah and this is why i love the wachowskis so if you've ever watched the matrix the wachowskis um they were the wachowski brothers they both transitioned right yeah Yeah. i just learned about that a few months ago actually yeah Yeah. they're a they're a neat 
they're a neat pair of humans. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and so the, the Wachowskis, they created The Matrix and many other really cool uh, or cinema films that have, are shifting consciousness. They're mm-hmm. really pushing the the boundary mm-hmm. of the limits we set on ourselves mm-hmm. and you can tell that even throughout their own consciousness if they were in the body of a man but then we're like this doesn't work for me anymore i'm going to become a woman yeah it shows that they're not in this linear well their movies show they're not in a linear timeline but they're not in a dualistic timeline either mm-hmm. and so it's really neat to see who is making waves and who's making splashes but ultimately we have to become sovereign beings so we need to go deeper into our own Mm -hmm. sense of self outside of what the mainstream is saying and ask ourselves questions about who we think we are what are we whose are we and what does that mean for us yeah as humans and really do our own research as well like there's so much yeah um through history that's one of the books i'm reading right now is is actually about the uh the history of of scientists studying magic and how it's how it has grown and then it'll get squashed and then you know someone else will will bring in something that needs to be studied and it's it's been coming along with science this whole time magic is not something that necessarily science needs to catch up to because there is part of that but it's actually been right next to science this whole time yeah and joe dispenza would say that um mysticism or that science is the contemporary language to mysticism yeah which is also very much magic yes so exactly what you're saying is that it's it's been right there this whole time Mm -hmm. and i love that we're living in a time that science is proving Mm -hmm. what the sages mystics gurus have known or felt or seen or sensed for millennia yeah yeah it is really fascinating um how many archetypes are there innumerable okay and changing all the time yeah okay so whenever you work with someone who works with archetypes it's it's likely there'll be overlap but that there won't be the same set because there are so many and we are shifting and contributing to them often because for example like something like the networker wasn't even a thing mm. until networks on the internet became available right. yeah right so it's like until we shift our inner consciousness so much that we actually turn them into innovative ideas out there in the real world mm. then it starts to shift the archetypes the archetypes exist beforehand but we're not privy or we're not aware of of them yet and so i'll give you a concrete example the inner child is an archetype we all have in common mm-hmm. right we all have the child there are many different types of inner child the magical child the innocent child there's many different the wounded child Mm -hmm. but we all we all contain four archetypes in common and the child is one of them and the more work that we're doing you me everyone listening to this podcast the more work we do on ourselves and the more that we tend to the inner garden saying i love you i see you Mm -hmm. the more we give ourselves that love that we never got the more we reparent ourselves, we shift the archetypal landscape of what new souls, new humans will plug into when they come onto this planet. This is why when we see 18 year olds right now, 
in in positions of authority or leadership where they're not really having to go through some dark dungy you know experience it's because they've chosen a natal chart that actually doesn't reflect back to them those uh, more intense lessons that's not that's not to say they won't have them it's just it's just to say that we do choose our longitude and our latitude when we're born that that creates the natal chart mm. and when other people are doing this work especially if a soul has chosen to come into um, an incarnation with a certain family who's done their work and they do choose that i believe we choose who our family is where we're where we land mm -hmm. um, we choose then to not have to plug into that because of the work that's been done so all of us and it's, it's almost too much to conceptualize with the human brain but all of us that are doing this work in any given moment across time dimension space and reality it's shifting everything in the quantum moment mm. so the more that we shift the more that we're contributing to archetypes that aren't as dense that aren't as challenging to go through like something like the martyr mm. so joan of arc is a great example of someone who had to go through this martyrdom yeah. to, to be willing to die for her beliefs actually die we don't have to actually die for our beliefs anymore some people, right, some yeah. places, yeah, still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that's an archetype that's starting to shift the more that we contribute to our own sovereignty. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the four that we all have in common. Um, I, so in my book, Be the Change, I, I call these subconscious characters. Yes. Oh, right. We talked about this yeah, before. Yeah. So um, same thing, just different language as yeah. we see all over the place. But I, I don't recall if I if I stuck to the four that are the main ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so the child, mm -hmm. which you said yes to, the victim, yeah, the prostitute, yeah, and the saboteur, yeah. Those are the four that we all have in common. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been interesting and also uh, beautiful if that wasn't the case, because yeah. we could have dialogue about that. But it also just is affirmation that these are patterns of power that all humans have been plugging into, mm -hmm. right? And we all go through, coming back to that question around, do I still deal with the shadow? Well, you don't overcome the victim. It's not like something you go to battle with and you kill it and then right. it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's more about finding peace with shaking hands with right. coming to terms if you look at a relationship changing the relationship to it mm -hmm. so when victim consciousness comes to play mm -hmm. comes to the surface you say i'm ready to dance mm -hmm. what are we dancing to today and do i agree to those terms maybe we're dancing to something different and so when that comes up awareness is key mm -hmm. this is this goes back to the beginning of everything when we start our journeys you can't change that which you were unaware of you can't and so once you bring light to it, mm -hmm. you can shift that pattern, you can sh shift that uh, belief system. And so this is where it becomes really powerful because when we know if the victim is playing uh, in our field right now, we can say, okay, I see you. I love you even, I honor you. I love the part of me that's so scared that she feels she needs to plug into victim consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I see that that's a defense mechanism that was installed in my software system from a very early age to keep myself safe. Mm -hmm. And I love you, but we don't need to show up in the same way now. Mm -hmm. And when you can bring love to a moment of constriction, 
that's how you shift your epigenetic pattern because the epigenetic pattern which which is just our environment telling us uh, that something is going on that's then signaling a gene and then certain proteins are being activated certain genes are be tur turning on and off mm -hmm. and if we have the uh, precursor for the genes that are causing us stress, causing the constriction, causing anxiety, well, then when the external thing happens that sends us into victim consciousness, all those genes get turned on, mm -hmm. right? And then we become a match to the thought patterns of that energy that's being created. So this is why, like, free will, the all free will is is the choice between fear and love. That's it. And so in the moment when victim consciousness comes to play, if we choose love, mm -hmm. we can change our epigenetic pattern. Mm. This is huge. It is. It's like self-fulfilling prophecy at the micro level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. Are there certain archetypes for you right now that are like dancing at the surface for you continuously? Mm. That's a great question. I was incarnated with the sun sign of Leo mm -hmm. and I have it at a pretty high degree and I have it at a house of awakening. So what that means for me and I want to I want to preface with this. It's not because I know the astrology that I'm making the story. Okay. It's the story I've witnessed and then when I learned astrology, it gave context to mm -hmm. the experience. Mm -hmm. So I find that interesting and important because we can easily say, oh, it's because of the stars that's happened. And that's not the right. case. It's just who I am. It's just who <laughs> I am. It's my lot in life. There is a difference between elemental destiny and applied destiny. Yogi Bhajan talked about this, and he's who brought kundalini yoga to the West. I'm also a kundalini yoga teacher. And so elemental destiny is, yes, your natal chart, right? This is your blueprint. You can't change that you can rise above and use that natal chart. Anything that's showing up archetypally in that natal chart that's not serving you, that's tough, that's sticky, you can use that to, to transcend, to use your karma to guide you and lead you to your dharma. That's the same way of saying everything we've just said. Mm -hmm. Sitting with your darkness so you can actually find spaciousness, so you can be, um, so you can expand into your gifts, yeah. right? And so the archetype I feel like that I, I work with a lot and have been over the last year is the child. Mm -hmm. And the child is very much connected to Leo energy. We all have 30 degrees of Leo in our chart, so it doesn't matter if you have planetary placement there or not we all have a natal chart mm -hmm. but because I have this placement a lot that I have learned in this life has been through the tending of my inner child I have chosen to incarnate with a past where my childhood was hard mm -hmm. it was really hard and I went through a lot of really tough things it's all relative of course easier than some and harder than others yeah. but it's taken a lot of work to heal that and I also don't believe we heal anything. I think we change our relationship to the wound. Mm. So my relationship to my inner child, I've shifted what my dominant inner child was from wounded in inner child mm -hmm. into magical inner child. That's big. That's so And we can shift our why archetypes. Why do you refer to it as um, a changing relationship versus a healing? Is there What does that do for you to see it in that way? It's just a sense that I get where I, I guess this realization came in, came to pass when I noticed years later 
that similar patterns came up. And all I could find in the discourse of spirituality was, oh, you have to repeat the lesson because you didn't learn it. Mm. And that didn't feel accurate to me because I I didn't feel like I hadn't learned my lesson. Mm. I felt like there was more to be uncovered. Mm. And so the more I could shift my relationship to the wound, the more the lesson would lessen its grip. And I also think this paradigm of that the universe tests us is an old paradigm. I I think that's just shifting. There's a lot of new age pop culture spiritualists out there who it's like, oh, you're being tested and you need to pass this test. And when you pass this test, then you'll win and then you win. And then I just, I, I don't know how to articulate it yet, except to say it's this undercurrent, this stirring in me where I'm actually analyzing my own experience because all great (laughs) uh, philosophers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like at first we're a philosopher and then we get initiated and then we step into mastery. Mm. And so, and that happens in a spiral. We're always on the golden ratio. All of life exists on a spiral. So as we ascend and we move up this spiral, new lessons come. So if the same lesson is being thrown at you, which is activating your wounds, well, then you're not healed of it, are you? And, and I, I kept noticing that the same things have shown up and I have shifted tremendously. So if the same thing is coming up, then that would mean I'm not healed or that I haven't learned my lesson. And so I was like, okay, maybe, and maybe we do, like ask me this question when I'm 75, yeah, maybe, we, yeah. <laughs> maybe we do become healed. Mm. But I think more what ha- I feel, not I think, I feel more of what happens is our relationship shifts to the free will choice of love, which, which does change the pattern and we're liberated from it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it never shows up ever again. Yeah. I think it, it actually absolutely could. And you can just douse it and keep dousing it and know then that you're making the choice of love rather than making the choice of fear. And I think that's the quote unquote test is to see in any given moment if we're choosing love or fear. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Will you still choose love right here? Yeah, so I don't know, it's all semantics and I think it, mm. like maybe maybe we do maybe we are healed, but to me it just feels like uh, a blossoming of a new relationship. Yeah, I like that. And there's a lot of depth in the way that you describe it as well. So it but I do agree that the semantics in it it depends right how you feel about healing or what it right. means to you and your experience with it so it's yeah thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting you know I'm, I'm curious to hear you know from what you shared already about like the the rainbow consciousness what did you call it consciousness mm-hmm. that you're seeing and how you experience that you uh tap into um what people are experiencing before they experience it mm-hmm. so what what's coming up for you for 2020 Have you been receiving, experiencing some things of what's coming up for us? Yeah. There, so we're going through a big clearing right now, collectively before the opening of 2020. It's always an opening first and foremost, because it's a portal. New Year's are arbitrary, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're also important. It's important to step into a new timeline. I believe the galactic new year actually starts December 21st. So I oh, yeah, think, winter solstice. yeah, I think the, I think the calendar should switch then, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. <laughs> um, 
I also feel like it's interesting. This is going to sound very conspiracy theory, and I don't <laughs> let myself go too far down that rabbit hole either. I've done it, yeah. but it can be very disempowering as well. Mm. But I find it fascinating. We'll just call it interesting that it's not, the New Year's not at that time. Because if, if we actually were harnessing the energies then and stepping into that portal, that's when we can really, really catapult ourselves. But instead, it's the time of eating junk food, of being lethargic, of watching all the movies, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I love that as much as the next person, but I just find it interesting, right? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Because there's a window there, and if we can utilize that window, we can really uh, push ourselves more. Push isn't the right word. Align ourselves to the frequency of what step, what is, what's going on. So. What I've been feeling, there was a deep purge. Some people will be feeling that now, uh, and some people would have felt it around the same time I did, which was a week ago, where we had this really, really deep purge. And we have right now Saturn snuggled up to uh, Pluto in the house of Capricorn, and then we had Venus come in. So we had those three planets all snuggling together, which is really intense. It brought up a lot of our... Speaking of love and fear, it brought up a lot of our interactions in love where we've chosen fear. Mm -hmm. So all relationships, whether that's romantic or otherwise, um, there was a purging of that. All of the choices we've ever made uh, accumulated into how we feel about self. Because when we choose other, it's really just how we feel about self, Mm -hmm. ultimately. We often project onto others and are attracted to others because we think they have something that we don't have. And we want to assimilate. We yeah. want to we want to integrate. Yeah. Or Carl Jung would say individuate. So with that energy, there was this huge purging that was taking place. There's this energy also around we're stepping out of the out of a, a number three because we're in the a three year. If you if you add up uh, two thousand and nineteen, it, it adds up to a twelve, which breaks down to a three. Okay. So it's very much about being empowered. That's what we just came out of. And often mm. to feel empowered, we have to feel its contrast. So last year we got tested a lot. Well, not tested, but we got like pushed a lot into. Uh, f- are we empowered? Yeah. Are we choosing love? Mm-hmm. And how do we feel about ourselves? It was a lot of third chakra energy. Now, in order for the heart to open, the third chakra has to be solid. The navel point has to be solid. We have to know who we are. Mm-hmm. We have to know our energy. We, it's that, that umbilical cord to God. Mm-hmm. So do we know that we are infinite, limitless beings? Well, I'm sure many people had experiences in 2019 that told them yes or no if they chose love or fear. Mm-hmm. So... That's being, that's, there's a wrap up of that energy and a purging of that energy. There's also, this could go on for so long, but there's also a feeling around uh, a psychic energy around our productivity, around climbing the proverbial mountain to our, the top of the, the top, the peak, the apex to see if we're worthy of success. There's so much around being successful. Mm. I think in, I feel in 2020, there'll be a redefinition around what success means. It's gonna be more heart-centered. Leadership without heart-centered consciousness, without the choosing of love is not leadership. We're gonna start to see that. We had to see what was going on first with the election and the presidency and what ego maniac <laughs> looks like yeah. in order to acknowledge the ego- egomaniac we have within. 
Mm. And the the greed and the because the third chakra is powerful, but if it's unbalanced, it's egocentric. Right. It's like a, a wildfire. It's a wildfire. Yeah. And it can't be put out. Yeah. And it burns everything in its path. Mm-hmm. And not in a it's not a warming, it's a burning. Yeah. So we're really gonna be looking at the building which our ladder is placed that we're climbing. And we need to ask, is it is it leaning against the right building? Mm. Are we building, are we climbing the hill to the apex of the mountain? Is it the right mountain? Because a lot of us are building other people's dreams, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us are ch- or have chosen a path due to fear and scarcity, lack, mentality. So that's really clearing up right now. There's a lot of push. And then we just had Jupiter move in to... Capricorn as well Mm -hmm. so the energy is expanding everything exponentially and what I feel is happening is this really powerful because Venus will continue to move into um, the subsequent signs moving forward and Saturn and and Pluto are going to stay put so there'll be lots more energy to look at Mm -hmm. it's going to look at our structures right like that that speaks to the building that we're placed up against Mm -hmm. it's going to look at uh our transformations a lot that's hasn't been spoken about a lot that's been considered taboo or secret Mm -hmm. a lot of our darkness will continue to rise and so this is not a bad thing this is that's my playground yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is where so 2020 if you add it up in numerology it's a four so it's the level of the heart if you look at it in the numerology of tantric numerology which is the kundalini tradition it's actually the neutral meditative mind. Mm. So what we're actually stepping into is uh, we're moving a little bit beyond duality. Mm. We're starting to see, and this is where rainbow consciousness, I think, comes in. I actually just had a dream about it, so I didn't know what it meant. Mm. But what I'm feeling is that we're stepping beyond this idea around there being just good and bad and right and wrong. And so you could challenge this theory and even say, well, isn't just the choice of love and between love and fear duality Mm. is there nothing what about beyond what's beyond that and it's true uh this is again semantics it's just the way that we communicate things but there is something beyond love and fear yeah it's the container where all of it exists well yeah and that's what comes up for me is the fact that what makes it non-dualistic is that you can have love and fear simultaneously yeah and that's been precise been my work is that when i'm in seated meditation, sometimes I do get a wave of fear or darkness, and and I I often question it because I have a very vivid imagination. And I can freak myself out really easily, and and so I'll start imagining like dark beings mm. in my space, mm-hmm. and to be able to sit with that and sit with the fear and continue to choose love has become a beautiful practice for me, mm. where I'm I'm actually like scared shitless, and occasionally I'll open my eyes and be like, are there people around me right now? Wow. And and then I just keep choosing love. And and so I what's happened for me is that instead of running away or you know, going down the rabbit hole of fear, it's just holding it. Yeah. And and continue to choose love over and over and over yeah. again and it just makes it so fear doesn't have this charged frequency anymore. Yeah. And because of that, I don't feel fear as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. So it's still there, mm-hmm. but it's just not like this intense slap in the face that it used to be because I'm just holding space for it yeah and I love that because here's the thing I don't pretend to have all the answers or know everything in fact the mystery has become my playground Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's it to not know to just we don't know but it's so fun to 
ask questions, to look into it. Is there something beyond love and fear? Of course, there's presence. Like you're saying, there's the presence, there's the witness, there's just the container where everything exists that's watching it all play out. Mm -hmm. And that's a neutral space. We attach to love. Mm -hmm. We attach to fear. And then we become addicted to it. So when we lose love or we perceive the loss of love, so Mm -hmm. say someone breaks up with us or we leave them, we perceive that loss and it causes us pain. But it's really just, it's, it, it is neutral again. It's like, can we just come back to knowing that this is just part of the human experience? I'm not saying don't feel your emotions. There is, there is medicine yeah. in feeling yeah. and making the unconscious conscious. But when we can acknowledge that we, we have never been separate from creation story, that we are always been a part of it, mm-hmm. that good things happen, that bad things happen, that this is life and we don't get a do-over in this body i don't believe Mm. i think we get do-overs i definitely think we reincarnate Mm. that's my belief system because i've had many dreams of my deaths but not never again like this Mm. this moment will never happen again like this Mm -hmm. and we're already different you and i both from sitting here from the moment we walked into this space from the energy and frequency frequency that's been transmitted through this living transmission this broadcast so how beautiful to be able to just acknowledge that that this is so fleeting yeah it's the blink of an eye and it's gone so life is too short even if something tragic is happening feel it Mm -hmm. even if something beautiful is happening feel it just be in whatever it is and allow yourself to be human Mm -hmm. It's a gift to be incarnated. It's tough as hell, but it's a gift. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, one of the practices that I bring in for myself and with clients is um, intimacy without attachment. Mm. So it's that practice of, you know, whether it's in the moment or you're savoring a delicious drink or a donut or a person Mm -hmm. um, to be intimately connected in that moment with also this knowing that nothing lasts forever and and while for people at the beginning it can be really difficult to tap into that because it you know anything you haven't experienced before it can be you know it's unfamiliar it can be a little uncomfortable but I have found it to be one of the most transformative positively transformative things in my relationship with my partner yeah because I don't I don't own him he doesn't own me I have to remind him of that actually many times he likes to joke um but yeah you don't know me uh and every day well, it's a women choice. were property and that exists in the psyche of men, oh man so. it's strong for him yeah. yeah he chose me for a reason i put him in his place uh <laughs> but it you know to choose each other every single day and to yeah. really be in the depth of connection because you don't know what will happen in the next moment or the next day and i i think about my deathbed every single day yeah we've talked about this yeah it, it brings me more to life to really tap into that mortality and mm-hmm. to understand that it's nothing lasts forever so what am I going to do with this moment and how deep am I going to go and how much do I want to feel and it was scary as hell at first when I started this practice and now it's the most beautiful thing mm. and I just I adore it and mm. I'm and there's still work to be done in that area but it's yeah. really it's been transformed. Yeah, there's always work to be done. There is no yeah. finish line. Never. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so interesting that you brought that up with your partner, too, because what the visual I got or the story to share 
is that think about when you've been in partnership with someone this is what I imagine you're saying, intimacy with, with and it can be anything, doesn't have to be with a partner, yeah. but um, in this example, it is with a partner where you've broken up and then you have that one last session, that one last encounter with each other sexually. Mm. And it's so heightened mm. and it's so erotic and beautiful. And you are, have never been so present to their body like yeah. you are in that moment. And that's because we know that it's, it's gone right it's over yeah but every moment is that we don't yeah. ever know when our partner leaves our, the house and kisses us on the cheek or the lips and says see after work you don't know yeah you just don't know if they're coming back so to be able to land in, and this is this becomes i mean this is a life's work right mm. it's to be so present in the now moment that we can sip in breathe in the nectar of life yeah which can only be found now. Yeah. It can't be found anywhere else. Yeah. Because here's the thing. The thing that you want in the future, there's a good chance you're going to get it. Whatever is meant to be yours will be yours. You belong to it, especially if you're on the path of aligning to your dharma, which is your, your life-centered purpose. Mm -hmm. So there's no need to get so caught up in it because the truth is when you get there, it's not going to feel like you thought it was going to anyway. Yeah. So you might as well stay here and just be like, what feels expansive the, the me i know that i'm going to become i actually am that now yeah. what yeah. i maybe it hasn't assimilated into my cells yet right maybe i haven't stepped into that epigenetic version of self mm -hmm. but every day by choosing the frequency of being in this present moment and being in love even when fear is is at my doorstep yeah then I can step into that yeah. then i am that yeah. i am my highest self and the highest version mm. So, yeah, just to be alive, it really is a gift. And, and take it from someone who has been through a life. <laughs> I have seen great love, and I have seen and witnessed great loss. And both have taught me how precious life is. Mm. So to hold it in both hands and to see the polarity and just to take a deep breath and be here yeah is is the work of 2020 mm, i love it that's so good thank you yeah um okay we're doing good for time we're just over an hour uh and i actually i only really have one more question for you okay but before we dive into it because it's going to be a bit of a tangent i'm um, sure yeah <laughs> expect the unexpected with me uh I would love for you to take a moment to kind of plug yourself of, you know, where people can find you, what you're up to, um, any of that stuff so people can search you out in the many different avenues. Beautiful. So I use Instagram primarily as my main source mm -hmm. and my mailing list. I'm really loving on my mailing list and more so for 2020. I'll mm -hmm. be focusing on the people who are choosing to go on the path with me. Great. But for those people who are just at, you know, wanting to take a look and see what's going on, there's a lot of content there. Mm -hmm. I write poetry for expansion there, uh, which is just a love of mine. So my Instagram handle is at Chalice Grove. And that's where you can find a lot of information. So if you, if you actually click the link in the profile, you could get free uh, workbooks to help get unstuck. Mm -hmm. You can learn the power of reprogramming subconscious beliefs. You could even choose to come on a meditation journey with a group of us that are 
doing it right now. I'm committed to a 90-day meditation right now. I'm just mm. about a month in. And so that's all free for people and uh, beautiful to access. My website is www.chalicegrove.com. And those would be, yeah, my primary uh, places to be reached. Mm -hmm. And again, with Instagram, if you just click on that bio, it'll take you to all the resources your heart heart desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And are you in any markets or anything over the next few months with your jewelry or? No. So I did my, I just finished up my last market at Market Collective. Okay. Anyone that lives in the YYC area Mm -hmm. can always do studio shops with me. That's something that can happen. Uh, But I. one-on-one sessions. Or one-on-one sessions. Yeah. I still offer those, although in less numbers. I'm, my company is moving slightly, not away from, but uh, just a lot of what I'm doing now is teaching mm-hmm. and so there's less jewelry less time even for right. jewelry yeah, yeah but I will always offer that as a tangible tool Good. for people's expansion moving forward so yeah no markets um, in the new year either that I have set up just yet but you can find all of that on the website through Instagram awesome yeah and I do teach in Calgary I teach Kundalini Yoga every Thursday night Mm. at Yoga Santosha in Mission for the local people Mm -hmm. listening who I'm sure there are some Mm. and I also have programs online so I have my signature digital course which is healing with archetypes it is a full life reset button Mm. It's like a teacher training. Hmm. You learn all about kundalini yoga. You learn all all about the mantra and the ideology behind it. You learn about all of the archetypes in Mm. the different chakras. Mm -hmm. And you're given yoga practices. You're giving daily medicine practices. You're giving law of vibration practices to do. You do not finish that program the same person you were when you started. How long is that program? I recommend for people to do each module in a month's time. You can activate a little faster, some people, and do two weeks at a time, Mm. but I would say eight months. Okay. It's an eight-month program. Wow, great. And so you can get that at any point, but I'm going to be launching it again with my one-on-one services again in the new year in February. Mm. So that'll be happening again, which I'm excited about. That's awesome. And then I have a 10-day meditation course that is a nice entry-level course for people who just want to kind of get you know a taste of kundalini yoga it's there's no yoga but rather just meditation in it and it's really potent Mm. it takes you through the 10 bodies that i spoke of Mm. which is powerful because when we're going through a healing journey we all bodies need to be cleansed and healed um and i birthed that out of my last two years so out of my deepest darkness Mm -hmm. uh, alchemy came to be because i learned how to take the parts of life that really hurt me and turn them into gold yes beautiful yeah yeah so that's the other program that's offered online okay and i will be offering a golden age astrology 101 is coming for the new year so you can look out for that and then i do one-on-one golden age astrology sessions with people which is new new to me in this life but not new at all (laughs) yeah wow okay it's just a few things yeah yeah I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. Very exciting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I definitely will will stay in contact because I want to learn more about what you're offering and what's going on because that's very exciting stuff. Uh, very in line with what I'm working towards as well. Uh, okay, so my last question for you. And this is something that we have also talked about mm-hmm. in the past. Um, but again, some time has passed since our last conversation. Yeah. I'm curious to hear... Uh, your current relationship or what's going on with you in the world of cannabis right now? 
Ooh, great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Marin knows, but I'll share with everyone else, mm-hmm. I've had an interesting relationship with cannabis. One that started in my late teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been actually diving back into some of the things that have hap- that happened to me in my early experiences with cannabis mm. just to reprogram some of the responses that came up. Mm. And I find state-dependent learning is best. So if you use cannabis while you're going back into these states, it can be helpful. And I'll come back to that. Mm. So in my late teens, I was working with cannabis, not working with it. I was just unconsciously yeah, just using it, yeah. <laughs> using cannabis. Um, <laughs> As a way to numb, yeah. but as we know, eventually the efficacy of numbing wears off, and what happens is actually quite miraculous. There can be an opening, and I'm not referring to abuse. I'm referring to when we decide to um, really get honest with ourselves. And so, my journey with drugs actually led me to a debilitating anxiety disorder that I thought was caused by drugs. So I've made drugs the bad guy for a really long time until I until I got the call. So how that happened is I was in meditation doing one of my 40-day practices mm-hmm. and cannabis came to me, which is so bizarre to say, but I just felt that cannabis wanted to work with me. I should back up a bit too. I went on a date with someone who was using cannabis heavily and I was appalled by the reflection. And I ended up breaking it off with him because I was like, I don't want to be with someone who smokes weed every day. I know that. And I do know that there's a there's an energy around an everyday sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that reflection really triggered me. So I chose to dove in to dive into the trigger mm. and see what it was about. And so in meditation, when I was diving into that trigger, um, cannabis said, I want you to start working with me. Micro doses, okay. everything for me, because I'm so sensitive now has to be micro. I don't need any sort of giant hit of anything. Yes. It's all very small am- amounts because of the subtlety. So cannabis came to me, and then it was affirmed when I went to a, a Trevor Hall concert. Mm. The the speaker on the stage before Trevor Hall was speaking about his relationship with cannabis, and he said that he was gonna that he had started to work with it again, and tears started streaming down my face. And my girlfriend looked at me and she's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I need to start working with cannabis yeah. again." But I was like so upset about it, but not even upset, just like I knew it was gonna do something and activate me in a way that I was afraid of. Yeah. And so after that, I just knew. And so I, you know, talked to a few girlfriends. I got a few gummies. I I went out to Nose Hill Park, which is a beautiful uh, piece of land here in Calgary. And it was I wasn't planning on it. It was just a day like any other. And I heard the message really strongly because I'm very audio uh, driven in mm-hmm. my intuition. And I heard, you should take that gummy. And I was like, no, there's no way. I was like, no, you should. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm scared. What if something bad happens to me and all my fear? Because I have a lot, I have a deep seated root of um, fear around abandonment and not being safe on the planet, which I've been working with really deeply over the last two years uh, to step more into my medicine. So yeah, I took a little bit and I ended up getting so in the present moment that I followed a bumblebee. (laughs) (laughs) And in that moment, I realized the gift of cannabis to drop Mm. into the present moment and then this beautiful storm came and i just watched it roll in and then by the time the storm hit i was no longer in a state um, because i had taken literally so micros Mm -hmm. like the tiniest bit and so that's how it started and since then i have been gifted uh more cannabis 
through trades, through you name it, like even just situations I wasn't expecting where someone's like, well, I have cannabis, would you? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Okay. And it, and I take very small amounts. At this stage in the game, mm-hmm. my cannabis intake looks like at its most one hoot. Okay. And that's, that's as deep as I'll go. But I've had really, really cool experiences, really mm-hmm. expansive experiences. Um, deeper lookings at my contraction and my anxiety and where it comes from mm-hmm. and yeah I it's really helped it's been helpful for me and I didn't anticipate that yeah. but I'm always willing to humble myself back to accept that I don't know mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know mind <laughs> so beautiful Wow, yeah. I hadn't heard that. I think the last time we talked about this was when you were you had completely stepped back from it and it was around the time that you that relationship you spoke of, um, you walked away from it for that reason. Oh, so yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, no, it's the door is open. Mm-hmm. Um, it started with C B D, so I yeah, just used yeah. C B D to start. Okay. And then I started um, in very low doses getting into and, and I did because of my again, my shadow, my darkness. Mm. Um, I was in so much pain, so much grief. Like I, the pit is is bottomless. Mm-hmm. I felt so much grief, and it was the grief again of my matrilineal line. It also was the grief of the loss of a partner that I had chosen to sever. But it wasn't just that; it was so much deeper than that. And I actually started microdosing as a way to get more present, as a way to feel more, because I noticed I was numbing out through Netflix mm-hmm. and I wanted to go deeper and I also wanted to feel more hopeful. I, I, I find sometimes cannabis has the ability to like lift the veil that you've put there mm-hmm. so you can actually see what's true because there's a difference between what's real and what's true. It's real that your thoughts are like, it's hopeless, it sucks, it's never gonna get better, nobody cares about my work or my medicine, like yeah. whatever the s- story is, I had all of it. Yeah. And then and then to have that lift and to go, you're a fucking badass and you're going through this with intention so you can be of service to the masses. So yeah, it really helped me open mm. that. And, and I just listened to recently a um, discourse with Dr. Joe Dispenza mm-hmm. talking about psilocybin and if oh, yeah. that is helpful for um, new neural pathways in yeah. the brain. And uh, I had just been gifted micro doses of um, mushrooms okay. as well. Yeah. And so that this has been become something very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Very, I'm very interested. And I had done a, a couple ceremonies with it already. And so I was so curious to see what his take was on that. And in watching that, I just, yeah, it was just more affirmation for me. It came at the perfect time that he said, you know, ceremonially mm-hmm. with intention, I think that, you know, they're gifts from the earth. This isn't made in a lab. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is this is what the earth has. We have receptors for this in our bodies. Yeah. And like I said back in the beginning with the shaman and the earth mother archetypal patterns, we are made of the same composition of the earth. Mm -hmm. So if this is growing here, (laughs) there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have no intention to get blitzed so I can just escape myself Mm -hmm. through this medicine. For me, it's become an opening and a deepening, a widening of the lens mm-hmm. so that I can get closer to what I am so I can live in less fear yeah so I can show up and do the work that I came here to do mm. because I'm there are areas of my life where I haven't stepped out yet fully still because of fear mm. you know and 
and that this is my life's work i'm in it and it will continue to expand so there's more work for me to do i love it i'm excited to see you at 75 years old (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna be hilarious yes we will uh (laughs) yes i'll live in a cabin for sure somewhere i'm gonna be in the sky somewhere floating (laughs) around um so my last question then well i guess the question is going to come after this first bit here so part of something that i'm experimenting with um just through conversation to begin with is kind of like a sister um podcast to the abcs to live your dope life the sister podcast would be the zyx to live your dope life (laughs) and the way that i would potentially approach this is that the people that i interview on the abcs uh, have an open invitation to be on the zyx where we do ingest cannabis together and then sit down and have a conversation. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm glad to hear you're back on the cannabis train. Uh, would you be open to doing that with me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so part of it is really about education and, and that it, yeah, it's not about getting blitzed out of your mind. Like, uh, it would be hilarious, um, but maybe not a coherent conversation. Yeah. And it's not actually going to feed into um, what my intention with it is, is, is really about education. Um, and normalizing and, yeah. uh, and helping people understand the balance with yeah. it. So, uh, yeah. So that's... Yeah, I'm super down. I think that okay. would be... That's going to be interesting. Right? Stay tuned. Yes, exactly. Man, the ideas I used to have when I was stoned, I used to write <laughs> papers just super stoned. And yeah. my grammar was never on point, but my <laughs> yeah. ideas were solid. Yeah, yeah. No, same. Like, cannabis has been a, a big factor for me in, um, in some major earth-shattering changes Mm. in my mind and my body and my soul Mm. and my relationship with it as well has been a journey to say the least so I think that's that's something that I want to dive more into in a conversation with you um and I'm whether it starts with like what do you think of consciousness or you know something like but I just want to go deep and esoteric with you on this stuff yeah yeah I'm I'm totally down to deep dive I feel like I just passed the test on the question otherwise I would have got the button and yeah you're out (laughs) (laughs) got dropped into like the water pit or something (laughs) so what's your relationship with cannabis oh I don't smoke it anymore (laughs) friends off this will not be airing (laughs) No, I would never. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really, I appreciate your time and your energy and who you are. And I feel so honored and privileged to know you and to have Mm. witnessed your unbecoming and your becoming in the last decade. It's been really, really um, beautiful to witness. Yeah, same. Mm. Like that reflection is so pure Mm. for me to you. You are such... A light and the way that you deliver that light mm. is it really can be digested by the masses and also what you are about to go through because I can already sense it based on what you've just said in mm-hmm. small doses in this podcast is big so you have some some really big openings coming and I'm really excited yeah. for you <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll uh I'll be leaning on you. I can feel mm. that as well. So you're definitely, you're a pillar mm. in my oh, life. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's going to be more clear in the next few years as well. But I, yeah, I feel very, very grounded when mm. I'm with you. So, yeah. It's that earth trine, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love it.
It's such an honor. Thank you for having me. I feel so blessed to be able to share in this time with you. Mm, Thank you. All right. Well, off we go. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.